0: You look like an alien. All right, 1969. Hey. Hey. I'm Eli. And I'm Ian. And this is... Conspiracy Crashes. Um, I sat on the cat when I came back in the room. Oh. (gasps) Hi!
1: There she goes. Waddling towards the door for freedom.
0: He looks like Nino if Nino had all of his legs. So, I'm going to take us all the way back this episode to 1969. Well, he did it, ladies and gentlemen. 69. (laughs) Come on, man. It's a date. I don't know why I'm like this. (sighs) Alright. The year is the year is nineteen sixty nine. And it's the moon landing. I need a minute. How has this
1: already failed? In like <laughs> <I> the first <laughs> sentence. Alright. You're a trained actor, Eli. Show them what you can do.
0: Nineteen sixty nine. The moon landing. We're in a space race. Ian, stop giving me that look. We're in a space race. Was it just Russia? It was just Russia, wasn't it?
1: I mean, I'm sure there were other people around the time who were, like, maybe interested in space.
0: Like, all of the tension and Congress. The
1: tension that actually drove the space race was between us and Russia.
0: And that's partially because of the Cold War. hmm Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are covering the moon landing. Now, Ian and I had a great conversation yesterday over how the success of the moon landing wouldn't have helped our plight in the Cold War. It would have actually hurt us.
1: I mean, the only way it would have actually been useful is if they had been able to weaponize space vehicles. But, like, as we know, that wasn't, like, even possible I mean, it may have been possible, but it wasn't really, like, in the works until after the Cold
0: War. It was almost like we had two wars going on with the same country at once of, like, first of all, we're better than you, so we're going to go to the moon first. Also, we're going to blow you up. But also, you might blow us up. So good luck with that. Which is a very interesting concept because no war actually happened. I mean, there were lives lost. I guess that brings up the bigger,
1: the bigger, like, abstract question of how, what, when exactly does a battle become a war?
0: Mm. That's also hard if it's between two countries and there's mass murders, it's a genocide, not a war.
1: Yeah. I guess the only difference is that genocide implies that once one group was particularly targeted and was
0: unable to fight back. Mm-hmm. Like the Rwanda. Have you seen that movie, Hotel Rwanda? I actually think I have. I don't know how I got to that from, oh, genocide versus war.
1: Officially, only 32 American lives were lost in our Russian Cold War. And unless Americans were just that much more gung-ho about murdering Soviets, I can't imagine the Soviets lost a huge number of lives either.
0: So, I mean, I think they're referring to war in this case as a tension. Yeah. I also would like, because we're in the Cold War era, so I can bring this up without it being too off topic. Hiding under desks. Like, bitch, if there's an atomic bomb, me diving under my desk is not going to save my life. If you
1: were far enough away, if you were just on, like, the very outskirts of where the bomb's effect was going to reach, like, going under your desk might prevent you from suffering like, essentially earthquake damage from, like, the shockwave of the bomb. Any other event where you're not at, like, the weakest stage of the shockwave, it does nothing. You get hit by the radiation later, and there isn't even, like, an explosion warning for that. So, like, you wouldn't know to go under your desk to avoid the radiation until after you heard it, like, on the news and the radio and stuff.
0: Right. Well, going under your desk isn't going to save you from radiation.
1: No, it wouldn't. At that point, you'd have to go to, like, your underground bunkers, you know, man? That's, that's literally it. You either have to go inside like a really densely constructed room or you have to go underground. Yeah. It would have actually helped you to an extent in like 3% of situations related
0: to nukes. So not worthless, but close to worthless. Kind of like how, I mean, I'm sure y'all don't do it in California. Did y'all have to do like tornado drills? We don't have tornadoes. You would go sit in the hall. With your back against the locker and put your head between your legs. I'm sorry, your head between your legs? Why? Because if something falls, it'll hit the back of your head instead of your face.
1: Wouldn't the desks still be better in that case? Mm Mm-hmm. So why do they bring you out into the halls and have you back to lockers?
0: Because the hall is the most internal part of the school, which is going to have the heaviest structure. And um, there's windows in all the classrooms. Fair. Cold War, moon landing, here we go. Yeah. The moon landing happens and everyone knows the very famous one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, or whatever it was. Is that right?
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: Yeah. And like that was on the television. Like they televised the moon landing, didn't they? Yeah. No, it was televised. It was a huge deal. And a lot of people were blown away. We did this. Like we weren't the first person to orbit the moon. We weren't the first person to, we weren't the first to land something on the moon, but we were the first to walk on it. But then one person, and that's all it took, one person was like, I don't think this is real. And that person's name is Bill Kaysing. Thank you, sir. Bill Kaysing said that this is, there's no way that we were able to successfully do this, that we did not have the technology to make it to the moon and back safely. Now, mm-hmm. we've seen that with some of the first trials that, like, things blew up coming back and stuff. However, not necessarily the case always. And technology gets better, so theoretically they should be able to do it. Um, Now, he was part of the US space program from 1956 to 1963. Um, And he helped design the Saturn V rocket engines. So it was, I think a lot of people believed him just from the fact that he understood the, like, mechanics of the engines. Yeah. But that was about it. He claimed that it wasn't just the first moon landing, it was all six Apollo landings. I think the most
1: of the criticism comes from the, uh, human man moon landings nobody seems to really have a problem with like us having actually like you know sent unmanned craft to the moon
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we're talking about like the six we're talking about the six uh apollo landings that involved
0: real people on the moon in general i think Mm -hmm. now this man's been charged not charged like he's not a criminal or anything of claiming a bunch of other conspiracies such as like The Apollo 1 fire and the space shuttle Challenger were on purpose, so they deliberately murdered the astronauts on board um, under the assumption that they were about to expose the conspiracy and needed a guaranteed silence.
1: I'm sorry, wait. So the conspiracy was to kill them, and then they had to kill them to prevent them from spilling the secret of the conspiracy to kill them?
0: He said that they were killed that like that mission was staged because they knew that those sp- particular astronauts were going to tell everyone that they weren't actually doing what they said they were so they had to kill them
1: couldn't they have killed them during like a training exercise without investing like billions of dollars on rocket science hmm nice
0: okay no, but-
1: But but regardless, we blew up an incredibly expensive rocket for the purpose of killing, like, a few people. Continue from there. Seems seems likely.
0: Yeah, so, you know, he's like, we don't have the technology for it. Like, y'all are stupid. There's no technology. We never landed on the moon. There's no way we could have because you wouldn't be able to get back. And a lot of other things just didn't line up with it. And now we were saying it would be what 300 billion is what it cost for the moon landing? Oh, in total,
1: NASA's budget was 25 and a half, i think it was like 25 and a half billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Let me double check that. 25.4 billion dollars was the cost of uh, the Apollo mission as reported to the U.S. Congress in 1973.
0: Mm-hmm. If anyone is curious and wants to read it, the book he published on this is called We Never Went to the Moon. Bill You'll never C- find it without knowing that was the title. <laughs> right. By Bill Kaysing, published in 1974. And so, yeah, it's him. And um, he didn't start claiming it until four years after. Um, but he fought people who believed we did land on the moon until he died. Like, his life purpose became proving that we didn't land. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, this isn't the first episode we've done where someone's life purpose was to, like, out the government for something stupid they did. If I'm correct, little yeah. Basiago. No, but, but princess,
1: the difference is that Basiago was, like, legit. <laughs> I'm
0: really tired, and so it took me a minute, and I was like, yeah, wait.
1: <laughs> I legit almost spit up my water onto my Mac.
0: Please don't do that. A lot of the evidence for, like, we didn't land on the moon is via photos. A lot of the issue with that is that photos can be doctored. So in 2009, there was a poll on if you believed the moon landing was faked or not. And 20% of Americans said it was faked. One of the reasons that they believe it could have been faked was because this was all happening during the Pentagon Papers being leaked and Watergate. Yeah. So a lot of trust in the government was lowered to begin with. And because of the Cold War, they were like, there's this big war going on. Um, We're doing it to prove we're better. If anything, tensions rise more. Yeah. You think someone else, and like that was part of why the space race was a big deal going hand in hand with the Cold War, was because by proving we have that technology, there's more anxiety that they have something even more powerful. Yeah. And so proving we had that and could do it was almost a scare tactic. And I think with the lowered trust in the government and the war that did contribute to some of the ideas of maybe we faked it because we needed to scare them. Now, the evidence they go off of, the very first one that is most often heard is there are no stars in any of the pictures the background is completely black now ian tell us why that can't be so for the same reason you can't
1: see the stars in the daytime on earth you cannot see like like without like technology to assist you like if you're just like eyeballing it you can't see most stars during the daytime for the record. Um, the actual like um, the navigation optics on their uh, on their spacecraft did frequently pick up uh, stars, but you, you couldn't see it from the surface. Like if you were just walking along with the astronauts, you wouldn't be able to see them except during the night. Um, and so while you would j- think, oh, well, we'll just wait until night and then take the pictures. A lunar day lasts, like, 100, over 140 Earth days. Like, that's how long it's, it takes before the sun sets on the moon. Well,
0: damn, they should have just timed it better. <laughs> right. The other thing with that is that um, the moon just reflects so much light. Yeah. That theoretically, it would reflect it back in, and so you wouldn't be able to see anything because it would be too bright.
1: The light sources on the moon are numerous so you know when you have too when you have too much light in the background it kind of like it it kind of obscures what's actually there i'm sure everyone's noticed how like if you try taking a like a picture with flash especially you can see the effect in the night how like the exposure um really highlights like immediate things and the whole background goes black Mm -hmm. Uh, The same effect happens in the daytime um, if you have too many conflicting light sources.
0: Right. The next big thing that proves it was fake Mm -hmm. was that the flag looked like it was moving. And there's no atmosphere, so why is it moving? Shouldn't it be Hanging slack if there's no atmosphere?
1: You would think so, wouldn't you?
0: Right. So, like, it had to have been on a soundstage with, like, a fan causing wind or something. So it wasn't hanging slack. But then there's an atmosphere on Earth and not on the moon.
1: Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, uh, it turns out this, this isn't how that works. And why is that? Well, two reasons. First of all, like, we already have, like, photos, like, taken seconds after each other of, like, an astronaut in front of the flag changing positions. And in the time it takes for him to change positions, the flag doesn't Mm -hmm. change its state. Not only can we already say this... That just because you see one picture with a wavy flag, it doesn't actually imply that the flag is moving. In that case, if what I'm saying is true, that implies that the flag was already wrinkled in that way and looked so that it would look waving, even though it was still. And the reason for that is because the flag was folded.
0: Manufacturers so typically engineered those flags to maintain an upright position like that. Mm-hmm. Now, the folding of it, like Ian said, yes, that caused the wrinkled effect. But the reason it's not hanging slack is because they put wires and stuff in it to hold it up. Do you have anything else to say on that one? Um,
1: That pretty much covers
0: the flag. All right. The third, the shadows in the photos aren't right. If the sun was the only source of light, the shadows should not be where they are.
1: As we've mentioned, there are indeed multiple sources of light on the moon. It's not just light from the sun. Uh, For starters, just like how for us, we can see the moon because light from the sun is reflected off the moon and comes to us. Similarly, light from the sun reflects off the earth and and reaches the moon. So there's two light sources just from that. Then we have to take into account that uh, um, the environment on the moon uh, has a lot of literally just dust hanging around. uh, And that causes a lot of refraction of light, which can create in um, sort of like pits. It can create other refractive properties, which essentially means you have three... Sources of light for any given position. I'm sure I'm missing another source of light. Ah, and even sunlight reflected from the astronauts and the lunar module themselves. Anything on the moon or near the moon which like receives sunlight, reflects sunlight and creates yet another source of light. And when all of these, um, when all of these combine you have really weird warped effects that change how the shadows work. Yep. That's what it boils down to.
0: I want to go back to our good friend, Bill Kasing. What does
1: Bill have to say about this?
0: I almost said Andy. We're going back to good old Laciaga because, you know, the time travel missions were happening at this time, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, we faked it because Pegasus Project, you know. I
1: love how somehow, like... We're talking about, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're cracking time travel over in a lab. Meanwhile, we still can't even reach the moon.
0: Right. We're cracking time travel, and they're going to Mars.
1: Yeah, and they're going to Mars, but we can't reach the moon. Got it.
0: They don't need Got it. any additional supplies to go to Mars, like no oxygen.
1: Yeah, no, nothing. I mean, they don't even need a fucking million-dollar rocket. Like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with NASA, man?
0: Right, like, um, excuse me, to go to Mars, we just needed a jump room under a baseball stadium.
1: Which can even be moved at a moment's notice.
0: Yeah, anywhere we want, guys. So, casing though, said, one, the astronauts could not have survived the trip because of exposure to radiation from the Van Allen radiation belt and galactic ambient radiation.
1: Intriguing. Uh- So there are two, like, parts to the Van Allen belt that, like, matter for the most part in terms of this discussion. Um, There's an inner one, which is, like, pretty darn dangerous. It has, like, a whole bunch of protons that are really high energy. And so they literally are just, like, particle bullets waiting to smash through stuff. It's definitely ionizing radiation and could certainly cause, you know... Harm to the ship, uh, to some of the ship's technology, and through enough exposure, uh, could hurt the uh, astronauts as well.
0: How long would they have to be there, though, for it to do that?
1: They'd have to be there for, like, a, you know, a decent amount of time. Uh, Certainly more than the uh, few minutes they spent in the Inner Belt. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And then in the outer belt, there's just some low-energy electrons, which, while they aren't, like, to be ignored, they were only in the outer belt for, like, an hour and a a half, I think. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, relative to what you'd get on Earth, that's still kind of a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I have a statistic here which says the total radiation received on the trip was about the same as allowed for workers in the nuclear energy field. For a year. So it is still like a lot relative to like what you'd get on Earth. Mm -hmm. But as pointed out uh, by multiple sources, this isn't more than what space shuttle astronauts received prior to this, and they were fine. Um, It's also worth noting that like, they specifically chose the orbital trajectory for the for the Apollo mission. right to reduce radiation exposure to the smallest possible parameter. Mm
0: -hmm. So they
1: optimized their orbit uh, specifically to avoid radiation as much as possible. And it doesn't help. When even the guy that the Van Allen belt is named after because he discovered the thing, when Dr. James Van Allen tells you that the radiation levels are not gonna be too harmful for the Apollo missions, you should probably assume the Van Allen Belt's radiation isn't going to hurt the Apollo missions or the astronauts.
0: You sure about that?
1: I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure about that.
0: The guy from NASA said otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, like...
1: It must be true.
0: Right. Like, how could you be right?
1: How could I be right? Well, unfortunately, again, like, the statistic that the astronauts didn't really receive that much more radiation than the space shuttle astronauts received that statistic came from nasa yeah so if nasa credibility is what it takes to disprove the moon landing nasa credibility also just proved the moon landing Mm -hmm. so at best you've got a stalemate but let's be honest here we don't have a stalemate
0: (laughs) now here's his next reason the film in the cameras would have been fogged by the radiation
1: the film and the cameras, first of all, was protected by, it was literally insulated in like uh, thick uh, metal containers to prevent the radiation from contaminating the film. Because guess what? Scientists are pretty good at accounting for possible errors in their experiments and ma- taking like steps to avoid such errors. It's, it's literally the whole point. NASA is not dumb enough to try taking pictures and leaving it out for radiation to destroy. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure.
0: It just seems too logical and too easy to do that and have it work.
1: Of course, it's simple. Every photo was fogged over, which is why we have such clear ones today. Right. They're all doctored and fake, right?
0: Yeah, duh. We faked it. Clearly. Um, his next claim is the moon's surface during the daytime is so hot that the camera film would have melted.
1: Half right. The moon does get hot, kind of. Oh, by the way, I, I get to make a correction immediately. I have vastly overstated the length of a moon day. I said it was like over 140 day- days. I was very wrong. It's about a month, though. It's about an Earth month.
0: Still a very long time, though.
1: I don't actually know how long the Apollo 11 mission lasted let's check
0: yeah we should probably know that shouldn't we because that's what we're talking
1: Apollo 11 duration yeah no the entire mission's duration was eight days and three hours okay that's like including everything not just the time on the moon so there's there's no way they would have you know been able to wait till nighttime
0: Mm -hmm. was Apollo 16 the last one no 17 was 17 lasted 22 hours and 4 minutes.
1: There is heat on the moon in the form of radiation. There isn't really a lot of, like, heat the way we experience it because there isn't an atmosphere on the moon. It's not like walking through hot air makes you hot. That's a basic law of thermodynamics, actually. That's basically how we transfer heat on Earth. Right. Um, So the only thing that wouldn't have been accounted for by the design of, the, of each of the cameras, which were specifically uh, covered with um, optical paints to uh, avoid the radiation from heating the, the cameras and the film, the only way you would have actually been able to heat the cameras would be to directly place them on the ground and leave them there because then the heat from the actual like surface of the moon would be able to uh transfer to the camera okay so like if they dropped the thing and left it there yeah you could you could maybe make the argument but no they didn't
0: here's our next argument the apollo 11 crew would not have survived a big solar flare flying out when they were on their way to the moon
1: all right let's see Let's do a quick Google search. Just so everyone knows, this is how research works. Okay. Were there solar flares during Apollo 11? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The answer is no.
0: I mean, wasn't 16 the one with the
1: flares? Even then, like... Apollo 16 actually got really lucky. All of the reco- all reported solar flares happened before or after the mission, which is pretty awesome if you think about it.
0: It really is. So the next was the second stage of the launch rocket or the lunar module ascent stage made no visible flame. Say this again. The second stage... Of the takeoff of the lunar module, also known as the ascent stage, had no visible flame. Why Why would that matter? Can't take off without fire.
1: Oh, do I actually get to teach everyone how, how rockets work? Yep. So this is actually pretty cool. Um, so if you light like a campfire, does the fire push the wood into the ground?
0: Yeah, duh.
1: does it now so if you were a sane person you would notice that like you don't get extra pressure on the wood just by lighting it you can also test this with um a cigarette if you light a cigarette the flame itself doesn't like push the cigarette into your mouth you can run a whole bunch of easy experiments with this but basically the point is like if you light anything the flame itself doesn't do anything it doesn't like emit like i mean it okay that's a lie it emits like heat energy and stuff so how do rockets work then because the rockets always have the flame going down and that's what pushes it up right no um see what flame does is it takes a whole bunch of um it takes a whole bunch of things which can be um ignited and it throws them rapidly into the air that means that the gas is being created and gas expands and pushes against surfaces which contain it they also have mass gas has mass it weighs something it doesn't weigh a lot unless you like pressurize it like like you can wave your hand through the air and you won't notice like the weight of the air but you can but wait, there is you know oxygen has Atoms in it, and we can measure how much that weighs literally. So, if you take a lot of gas and you really quickly throw it out the back of a rocket, Newton's second law says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So, if I throw like a whole bunch of gas really fast out the back of a rocket, the momentum of the gas. Uh, down towards the ground creates an equal momentum for the rocket, which goes in the opposite direction of the gas. In other words, if you throw enough gas down beneath you, you will accelerate upwards. You, literally, like, you obtain motion by creating motion in the opposite direction.
0: Does that mean, like, that ties in with other things? Um... What,
1: momentum laws? Oh, it ties into all sorts of things. What, what things did you have in mind
0: specifically? Every action has an equal opposite reaction. That's what it was.
1: Yeah, that, that, that is the layman's definition of Newton's second law. I could, I could explain it mathematically, but it's not really relevant. The, the concept is what matters. Uh, it's not fire which pushes a rocket up. It's the fact that you're throwing something backwards So hard that the recoil from that pushes you upwards. Okay, and so now we get back to okay. There was no visible flame. Mm -hmm. Does it matter? The flame isn't what produces. um, The flame isn't what produces like the actual like ascent. Uh, Don't get me wrong. We do ignite our fuels because it. Uh, it helps, it helps heat the gas, which expands it. And as I was saying, like when you expand the gas, it pushes outwards. So we do use the heat from the flame to push the gas out. But you don't need like a visible flame, you can have like, almost entirely transparent exhaust, depending on like, the chemicals you're using, you can have like, essentially an invisible flame, and it doesn't really matter if you can see it or not. All that matters is that you can, like, feel the pressure uh, from the movement of all of this gas. And it shoves the rocket into the air. And as it happens, I think that is what, ha- what uh, the lunar modules used. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, the, the propellants used for the lunar modules did indeed produce a nearly transparent exhaust. Okay just just for everyone who thinks that scientists are like really scary elitist geniuses like don't get me wrong they like they know a lot of stuff but the only reason they know a lot of stuff is because they're constantly researching it up online and like on like proper research databases so that they can continually inform themselves enough to sound competent in their own field like have you ever turned a fire blue by just burning the right kind of thing yeah yeah, it's like that. It's not, it's not really about like wh- whether or not a fire is visible. The color doesn't matter for the fire. The only other thing I think I should add is that um, there are other places where you would, where, like, you would see uh, different stages requiring uh, visible exhaust, not even on the Earth's surface, but like, actually in space. And in that case, I have to remind everyone that like, space is a vacuum. So, like, you wouldn't even have time to look at most of, like, the exhaust. It would just be gone. On Earth, you
0: wouldn't see anything. So, his next thing was that air conditioning units that were part of the astronaut's spacesuits could not have worked in an environment of no atmosphere. I'm sorry, what? They couldn't work?
1: Yeah, because... In an atmosphere with... In an environment with no atmosphere? Yeah. What? The cooling unit's only work in a vacuum. Literally, they only work in a vacuum, I'm pretty sure. I read about this, I think, on NASA's actual site. Um, I know it had something to do with water in the suit. And then, because they were in space, um, there was, like, a loss of heat, and so the water froze. And I think that was directly... I think that was directly responsible for how the cooling in the si- in the suit worked. Like it relied on the water in their suits freezing in the vacuum of space. I don't know the full details of that though cuz like I read that years ago.
0: But if it's really hot on the moon how would it freeze?
1: Well again, it's not actually that hot like like in general. Like you have radiation, but um For starters, you have a protective astronaut suit, which is designed to prevent the radiation exposure from killing you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And since you have the water inside of your suit, you're relatively protected from the radiation. Again, unless you like literally just laid yourself flat on the surface of the moon for hours on end, you wouldn't really get enough heating to, to, you know, make a difference. So the only real thing at work here would be the vacuum of space which if you were insulated from it but the water wasn't the water freezes yeah because this is another interesting uh physics lesson uh one of the laws of thermodynamics is that um heat there is no like cold that spreads through things uh there's only heat which moves to colder things heat always moves to the coldest object in the area which is why ice packs work not because the ice is like cold but because your body temperature you know some of your heat goes into melting the ice into water that's why the ice melts in an ice pack so the reason why the water freezes in a vacuum is because the vacuum of space is colder than the water. And so it takes energy from the water. And eventually, if the water gets cold enough, it freezes.
0: Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Awesome bro take. Yeah, man. I hope you noticed I got it from Phoenix Fit. Like the bird? No, it's spelled FNX Fit. Fuel for greatness. Oh, yeah, man. You are pretty great. You know, I've totally heard of them. I get my protein powder from them. Dude, bro, you use protein powder? That's why you look so good. Man, thanks, bro. Dude, I'm looking at the website right now. They donate a gallon of clean water to parts of the world that don't have it every time you make a purchase. Well, bro, that's so beautiful. Just like our romance, dude. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. Use the code CRASHER with a capital C for 15% off every purchase at fnxfit.com. His next claim was that the footprints are preserved too well, especially since the lunar module, which weighed 17 tons, made no mark on the moon dust, yet the footprints can be seen beside them.
1: Okay, so the, the lunar modules weighed 17 tons on Earth.
0: Yeah, which means it would probably weigh, well, like five to six pounds.
1: I think it's like over a ton on the moon. It's, I'm going to guess it would be
0: like 3,000 pounds. One ton is 2,000 pounds. Yeah. So if we're dealing with 17 tons, it's going to be a little under 40,000 pounds. It's going to be 34,000 pounds is 17 tons. So then it's a sixth of that. It'd be 5,666 pounds. I was pretty close,
1: actually. Uh, All things considered. Uh, And then I I have a reference here from NASA saying that after it had actually reached the surface of the moon all of the weight from its fuel and oxidizer was gone. And so the actual like weight that was on the moon, 2,700 pounds.
0: Okay. So, you know,
1: it's amazing how many of these uh, questions give me an opportunity to go over some really interesting little physics lessons. Um, Pressure is how much force you apply over a really small area. And a good example of this is um, if you think about, if I like punch you, uh, is isn't literally going to go through your chest unless I'm the strongest man in the universe. It's going to, you know, make a little indent maybe, but like my fist is really big, blocky and flat. And so there's a lot of surface area hitting you And so the force of my punch is distributed over all of that surface area. It's not enough to puncture your skin, which has a certain amount of tension to it that pressure needs to break through in order to actually pierce you. If instead I took like a needle and I stabbed it at you as hard as I could, you know that needle would go right through your skin. And the reason for that is because I'm taking the same amount of force that I – or close to the same amount of force I had for my punch, and through my whole fist, I'm putting it through a teensy little point that's pretty tough. And so when I stab you with a needle, uh, the same amount of force is focused on such a small piece of your body that I can break through the the tension of that small patch of skin. And that's why we have the concept of pressure. Pressure is how much force you're using over how much surface area. The lunar modules are very heavy, even even on the moon. Uh, Heavier than a human, the distribution of the weight of the lunar modules is such that the actual pressure on any part of the lunar floor was pretty low. On the other hand the weight of the astronauts uh, had to be put through, the weight of the entire astronauts' bodies was being pushed into the ground uh, on only the surface area of their boots. And so that, believe it or not, the pressure of of an astronaut on the moon stepping is greater than the pressure at any point under a particular part of the lunar module. And so you have footprints, but no uh, marks from the uh, lunar modules.
0: This is his last claim.
1: I I actually really like this so far. I'm getting to give so many little physics
0: lessons. I figured you'd like this one, and I figured it would be doable for you, especially in one day. Oh, yeah. Um, So his next claim was that blueprints um, and design and development drawings of the machines involved are missing, that all of the Apollo 11 data tapes containing telemetry and um, high quality video before scan conversion um, of the first moonwalk are also missing. Mm -hmm. So we're missing blueprints, um, development drawings, and the videos of the moon landing. Therefore, it can't be real.
1: Okay, we are about to discuss the most important effect in all of science. Are you ready? Human error. The tapes existed, but they were lost. At least on the end of um, NASA.
0: I'd hate to be the person who accidentally lost the moon landing.
1: I know, right? It's pretty awful. Luckily, it wasn't like one place in the world was getting um, the telemetry. Right. Uh, for example, while we didn't get it at the uh, we didn't get it our, on our end at NASA, uh, the radio telescope uh, in Australia that was being used received it. Mm-hmm. We still have some of the tapes, and we still have some of the copies of the missing tapes, even if we don't have the originals. On top of that, it appears that there are some old tapes that were not, um, there were some old tapes which were not necessarily available to everyone until, until like 2006 because they were literally holed up in a like small lab at um, the Curtin University of Technology. So that's kind of hilarious. Somehow we lost the Apollo 11 missions tapes in, in just the middle of, a, uh, of like a college lab. Yep. And at, same for the blueprints. Uh, we don't have a lot of the in original blueprints, but we have copies of them on microfilm.
0: Oh, we just got a new very interesting suggestion. Oh. We've all been extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial beings in past lives.
1: There is literally no way you could prove that, ever.
0: Simon K., I apologize. There's no way you can prove that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Okay, I'm gonna level with you guys on everything that has to do with aliens right now. Despite all the odds that there should be other life in the universe, we have yet to detect life or signals anywhere in the universe. With signals that travel at light speed, From radios and stuff, even like actually, even like an abundance of life which produced natural electromagnetic signals, like some animals even on Earth do, we would be able to pick up noticeable signs. Mm -hmm. If there is alien life in the universe, it is so far away that it is impossible to detect using like sources that move at light speed, like radio. The first big problem with aliens is. You would never, ever be able to prove that alien life exists at all until you can find any any evidence that aliens have ever existed anywhere. Then you have to prove the concept of a soul. I'm not even sure how you would do that. There is no scientific evidence to suggest that there are souls which can, you know, go into different people and be preserved over the course of multiple lives. You'd then have to prove that a soul retains memories of past lives so that past life influences could somehow affect you as a person. And until you can discover souls, you can't discover whether or not souls have memories.
0: Mm -hmm. Then
1: you'd have to prove that it's possible to inherit a soul from a separate type of organism. You'd also have to show that acquiring a soul would from a completely separate organism in the world, a separate species, is more likely than you spontaneously acquiring a completely original soul all your own. Because if you think about it, the quantity of life on Earth has constantly been evolving. In particular, the number of human lives. Uh, There are more humans alive now than there ever were before, so either... That means that if there was the same amount of soul energy in the universe, all other life in the universe had less souls, less living creatures alive in order to facilitate humans increasing their population, you'd have to say that it's possible for entirely new souls to form out of nothing, in which case never be able to prove that souls are transferred in the first place. There you go. that's, That's my total... Overview of first of all, why you can't do any theory with aliens logically is because you can't prove they're aliens, and then the reason why you can't prove anything about souls is because you can't find a soul or describe its nature. Okay, again, we're not talking about whether or not it actually is real, we're talking about proof that's what theories are built on. Proof you can have a hypothesis though.
0: Now, the next is that you can see Armstrong's camera in some of the photos. You shouldn't be able to see his camera. Why?
1: Among everyone, there was only one camera?
0: Um, It's because he doesn't appear to be holding the camera. So they think it's a reflection of someone else's, like someone else taking a picture with their hands. I'm so confused. I don't even know where to begin. Now, I mean, I'm just going to debunk this myself right now. Okay, please
1: do, because I, I can't even, like, figure out what it is you're trying to tell me is, is this theory.
0: Armstrong couldn't walk around the moon with a regular handheld camera. Um, he needed something that he could manipulate easily within his suit, so they mounted the camera on the front of his suit. So the photo we're talking about, no, it doesn't look like he's holding a camera, because it's mounted to him.
1: So it's like the Iron Man repulsor ray, like the Unabeam?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. That's your mental image, everybody. Iron Man, Unibeam.
0: Now, here's our, like, real quick to rip apart theories, and then we're done. Okay. So, one of the issues is the photos taken were claimed to be miles apart, but they have the same background.
1: How would you know for sure that they had
0: the same background? By, like, layering the photos.
1: They do realize that, like, the moon looks a lot like the rest of the moon. Right.
0: I would like to bring up the parallax effect. Sure, go ahead. The parallax effect is basically with no pollution, nothing going in against it. Photos that could be taken really far away from each other and really close could look the same in the background because there's no pollution to distort it. Yep, that is true. That's all. Um, Next, real quick. No one else has done it, so... We didn't do it either. Wait, no one else has landed on the moon? No one else has walked on the moon.
1: Are they serious? Like, really? Mm Mm-hmm. People. Twelve people have walked on the moon. The most recent was Apollo 17's 1972. So three years after Apollo 11. So they're saying that because only NASA astronauts went that somehow we didn't do it? Mm -hmm. Is that the logic here? The Russians, while they didn't have a manned spacecraft, they had a spacecraft which if it hadn't experienced technical difficulties, would have landed on the moon and taken moon samples. That's the kind of technology they definitely had. That was, you know, decades ago. If you're telling me now that that we couldn't have the technology to go to the moon, you're wrong. And frankly, if you're going to tell me that they couldn't have put a person inside of a similar device and brought it to the moon, you're also wrong. As it happens, the only reason the Russians didn't put a person on the moon was immediately after Apollo 11. Uh, the Russians cut funding to their program. They basically lost motivation because they felt like we'd outdone them.
0: So next, if we've done it, why haven't we gone back?
1: Well, we did. On six separate missions, we went to the moon. Okay, okay. The other real answer is that mechanism, uh, mechanical uh, operations became more and more advanced. And so these days we can just send literally like probes and robots to the surface and they can do our jobs for us. We don't need to send like, you know, we don't need to waste the money sending full people there. That's the main reason. It's just financially It's financially wasteful to send a full human in a giant spacecraft. The
0: overall theory of how they faked it was that they got um, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. um, And they got his set from 2001 A Space Odyssey and moved the entire set to Area 51 where they had him direct the moon landing.
1: Okay. Eli and I actually just did the math on this before the episode pretty much. And, um, so we started by assuming that, like, the cost of producing, uh, so we looked at, like, the most expensive movie ever made, which was Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Sea, or something like that, and it was, like, $357 million, and the movie itself was 130-something minutes.
0: Wasn't it, um, hang on, I thought it was $375. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, with a budget of $378.5 million. Yeah, so we made the generous assumption that the cost
1: of paying for for the filming of all, how many hours was it? 1,996 or something like that, probably less than that, honestly. Yeah, no, I was actually pretty close. Uh, So we had a total of 1,992 hours of crewed space flight. Uh, So we assumed uh, the cost of of the most expensive movie ever made. We assumed that cost would be multiplied uh, consistently to account for how much money you'd have to be paying these people to keep them silent for the rest of their lives. Uh, And so, the minimum necessary budget to allow this to happen to actually just direct the film not even to like pay off other of other governments and other organizations which were also monitoring the space flight just to direct this thing would be about twice as expensive as the total budget of the apollo mission it was literally more expensive to fake the moon landing we're already talking about like. 26.3 26.3 billion dollars on the nasa budget do they yeah. really want to add a film crew on top of that
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially when they've already actually done it right like you could literally just set like tell the astronauts that you want to have like a dramatic scene here and like you could just have the astronauts themselves do it you wouldn't have to like film like
0: so i mean i hate to break it to you guys
1: part that convinced me the most the one fact that convinced me the most moon rocks I think they brought back, like, uh, 800 pounds or something like that. Hold on. And we know they are moon rocks because we can, like, chemically a- analyze them. And, like, we have all sorts of peer-reviewed studies analyzing the content, content of them. So we're, we're 100% sure that these are actual moon rocks. And the reason why that's significant is that uh, in the total, like, history of, like, private collectors and government agencies around the world looking for meteorites from the moon that just happened to land on Earth, we've only found a total of 66 pounds in 20 years. To me, that's pretty convincing evidence that they were at the moon.
0: I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so my last thing, it's not anything to debunk, I just found this and I thought it was really funny. A resident of Perth, which is in Western Australia, um, said that for two or three seconds she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower right quadrant of her television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of the Apollo 11 landing. No one else claimed it, just her, and so I just wanted to say that.
1: I think I read that too. She she even claimed that it was all in the news, in a particular newspaper, and so they looked through the archives and there was no such mention of this Coca-Cola can in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. She also said that, the, that she was watching it like late at night, but it, the broadcast in Australia wasn't at, in the night.
0: Right, through the time zones. Yeah. So yep. make of that what you will. Seems trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that in mind, you can find us on our website, conspiracycrasherspodcast.com. Go there, because on that website, it has a link to listen a link for merch um the patreon link is up through that you can learn a little bit about us on it um it's a pretty cool place Um, We also can be found on Instagram at conspiracy crashers podcast um, where we will be starting to announce next week's episodes on the Instagram by posting some cryptid images for you guys to try and use to figure out what we're covering. We can be found on Facebook at conspiracy crashers on Twitter at, at conspiracy pods and our email if you have suggestions ideas of what you want us to cover advice whatever Conspiracy conspiracycrasher at gmail.com yeah, yeah. you all just keep